Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So this is the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush, the new old Norwich. We were fed up with being the laughing stock of English football and we wanted our old Norwich back. And what a weekend to start our first podcast. I'm John and I'm joined by my dad, Peter. Between us, more than 100 years of supporting Norwich City, which sounds quite a scary thing when you say it out loud. But what a weekend it was, Dad. 2-1 against Brentford, celebrations between fans, players and manager alike, and then a sacking in the dressing room straight after the game. But the big question that we all, I think we agree on, I'm not sure we all do, but I do, is it was time for a change. Yes, I I agree. And I don't think Saturday's result really changed anything. Um, It was a welcome win and a gritty performance. But we were under Kosh for a long, long time in that game. And there was no real evidence that this was the the start of being able to cope in the um, Premier League. So whilst it it came certainly came as a surprise to me in the evening, but um, it didn't change my view at all about the fact that it was necessary. So the timing was strange, but the time was right for the change. That's what we're saying, because you rightly say... Barker had taken us as far as he could take us. We were a laughing stock of English football. We were being ridiculed on media and radio and newspapers and other podcasts uh, right throughout the land. I think one description that I heard of a, of a podcast was when they were like, let's have a look at how Norwich uh, line up and look at how, how they play and all that kind of thing and look at some of their stats. And the guests basically went, well, they're just SHIT. And, 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 and they all laughed about it. And that was where we got to before the decision to uh, let Farker and his team go. We, we won't be talking stats in this podcast. It's not something that we will be running through, particularly with every last percentage. I've no idea what XG means, by the way. 
uh, when Sky show it on the telly now, what what does XG mean? The amount of potential goals that you could score? I, I have no idea what that means. So we won't be talking about that too much. But some of the numbers, Dad, are, are quite stark. What was it? In the last Premier League season two years ago, 10 defeats to finish the season, admittedly without crowds. 10 without a win this season with crowds before yes. Brentford. Uh, five points now in total. Five goals we've scored in total. Our first uh, two away against Brentford at the weekend. But what's scary, and the reason why we are back at the bottom of the table, because we weren't when we finished against Brentford, was, of course, 26 goals let in. And that meant Newcastle went back above us in the table. And those numbers, actually, you can't hide from those numbers, can you? No, I mean, they, I mean, they just demonstrate how much we were struggling in the um, Premier League. Um, the success in the Championship had been built on classy, powerful, powerful um, possession-based um, uh, style. Mm. Um, and, but in the Premier League, we're just not capable of coping with teams uh, with the better players who, who dominate possession. And, um, and that was the thing that, that Farker couldn't turn around. And you mentioned the championship. I mean, I did a bit of homework uh, before the podcast about our actual seasons in the championship. And I wondered whether, was it a case of we were just blinded by the scariness of the Premier League? Because I can remember saying to you so many times in the championship, oh, it's really easy. We're too good for the championship. And the Premier League, yes. we're, rub we're not very good at. But actually, when, when I, I sat down and looked at the numbers and I went back to the 2018-19 season and, I, and then I looked at the 2020-21 season and I was like, well, in the Premier League, you're kind of playing big teams every week. So I wanted to look at the championship and was like, well, who are the big teams in the championship? Now, you can argue there are loads of big teams in the championships, Nottingham Forest, Derby County, uh, teams that are not at the moment in the top uh, six of the championship. They are big clubs but they're not big clubs as in the top six. So what I did was I went through and looked at all our results against the top six when we were champions. So the other five. Now, there were lots of different teams in that. Derby, Villa, West Brom, Leeds and Sheffield United uh, three years ago. Uh, Watford, Brentford, Swansea, Barnsley, Bournemouth last season. So they were the big clubs. And, and what I found out, actually, was that we weren't very good <laughs> against those clubs. And... And our win rate, in fact, we only won, well, we won half, not even half a dozen against those clubs. Yeah, I, from those figures that you um, you sent me, John, in those two championship winning seasons, um, we only had a, a win rate of 30% um, against those top six, the other top six sides. And that yeah. compared with around a win rate of 70% for the rest of the championship teams. So it just proves what you're saying. When uh, against the, the the top champion championship sides, um, we were not that spectacular. And of course, that just demonstrates the point that in moving back to the Premier League, with their better players and uh, better organisation, better structures, um, that we needed a step up. Now, obviously, we 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 tried that. We brought a lot of players in, but this season, um, unfortunately. For whatever reason, Farker couldn't turn that into a, to a winning formula. Turning it on its head slightly, if you look at Farker when he came into the club, took him a while yep. to get going. Actually took us a while in 2018-2019 to, 
to get going in terms of wins in that season in in the championship. Is it a case of he was one of these managers who had to work out who was his best players and best positions, and then once he'd worked that out, actually consistency was what our success was built on, as you've said, seventy percent win against the other the other clubs in the championship, and actually that consistency is what what made him so successful. And I wonder, playing devil's advocate slightly, whether ha- have we leapt too soon in this Premier League season? I mean, you could argue um, he didn't he didn't manage to do that in the last Premier League season. But then again, we didn't really, uh, with signings and um, bringing players in, really make a as. Uh, as it's been acknowledged by the club, we didn't really have uh, make a go of it then. No. So we, we will never know, will we, John? But no. how long could we sit and wait? And and that goes back to we had to make a decision. Yeah, because because even, if we, even Weber said there was there's 27 games to go, we've got to yeah. try and stay up this time. Yeah, if we'd have given if if we'd have given him another 10 games and say by then what you're saying, he could have possibly learned and pulled it around. There wouldn't have been time in any case. Yeah, because you, you you look at the the performances against Leeds, and against Leeds, I thought we they were two really poor teams, and yes. actually we were we weren't very good, and they were they weren't very good either, and they obviously no. beat us. Against I mean, Brent, there was no there was no structure to the team that day, um, and and they just resorted to long high balls. Now this was completely against what we've seen from him in the past. Yeah. So it wasn't as if he was, per, you know, persevering with his style of football to do that. They they completely changed it, and um, and approach, you know, the, the the attempts to change the approach during the game and bring in, you know, substitutions and that. You know, they were woeful. And I think it, by the end of that game, the players, I, I'm pretty sure that they were, they'd lost um, faith in him and how and how he was trying to play um i mean i think we ended up that day with three left wingers on the pitch against leeds i think the only time he's really good at his substitutions are when like brentford we are winning and he uses them to reduce the clock that's the only time he knows yeah. when to use substitutions properly but i think but even against brentford the start of the second half we had that uh, another chance by from Pookie to go three nil up, missed that, got lucky with a VAR decision. Although it was um, it was offside, but um, you know it was it was it was fairly close. We got lucky with that. And against so many of those games we've seen him, we, that was the time to then make changes because Brentford had made some changes at half time, or it's certainly in their approach, and um, and it didn't really get any better. I mean, we were hanging on by the skin of our teeth. I mean, it was really, it was really painful. As I said, a welcome win, and I'm really pleased for him that he did go out with that win. But, um, but I don't think it indicated at all that um, you know there was a bright future. Not, not in the immediate future, anyway. We'll talk about Daniel Farker a bit more in, in detail in in the podcast to come. This is the new old Norwich podcast, the podcast that's more steady on than splendid rush but we are called we were calling for a change at the club because we were fed up with being the laughing stock we didn't feel like it was our old norwich anymore we've watched them as i say for for many years and we've always tried our best looked like we were going to try and stay up and it felt like a bit like two years ago 
that we were just going to see another Premier League season go. Just quickly on those those 10 games you said, well, we could have left it another 10 games. Looking at the matches up to Christmas, we've also got a two-week break now. We will have a new manager coming in, which we'll, we'll talk about in a moment. But Southampton, Wolves, Newcastle, straight after the international break. And that's those are games like Brentford, where you would be expecting some points. Webber, I'm sure, will set himself some targets and the club some targets and the new manager some targets from from those teams. But yeah. then you play Tottenham, Manchester United, Aston Villa will have a new manager by then as well, and West Ham, who obviously beat Liverpool at the weekend and are having a, another brilliant season. Mm. So actually, if we hadn't done it, and you'd have got Southampton, Wolves and Newcastle out of the way, and, th- and then you're in early December, you'd be like really, really under the cosh, as you said. Well, we'd have been too we'd late. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's going to be difficult in any event from now on. Because you look at that Premier League, um, I mean, the three promoted teams still are probably the favourites to go down. Well, I was talking to a Newcastle fan over the weekend, and because um, obviously I had a lot of messages when Daniel Farker was was fired, and I was sitting there enjoying my Saturday night watching Blankety Blank, thinking, "Well, oh, I've got three points here. I don't have to worry about Norwich for the moment." But I looked at my phone, phone and saw all these messages from people. But he was a Newcastle fan, and he was like, uh, he was disappointed that we'd fired the manager because he was hoping that we would stay below them uh, in the table. And I right, and I messaged him. I said, "I'm pretty sure." that you could put a, 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 a fair wager on at the moment that Norwich, Brentford and Watford will be the three clubs that get relegated. I think that's right. Because if you look beyond that, Newcastle, um, yeah, OK, it could, it, it could fail. Aston Villa, Leeds, they've, they've, got, they've got January to do something about it. They'll, they'll, they'll all respond. And then other teams, Brighton, they're, they're 12 points ahead of us. That's four extra wins. Um and, Palace, and, Brighton, but... and Brighton, don't forget, were literally fourth or fifth from bottom last season. So it yes. shows, it shows yeah. how, how uh, you know, you, you, from one season to the next, you've still got to get better and better. And, and yeah. I think that's yes. the thing with Norwich, is that you want to see us getting better and better. Just quickly on the, on the uh, Brentford game, was it better having a back four again and actually Kabak not playing than Maritizing lost the ball coming out? Of, uh, of defence against Leeds and, and being tackled and then them having a chance. Were we actually tighter uh, for a, a back four that we're all more used to? But are we looking at that just because of the victory? Yeah. I mean, Cruel made two wonder saves from, I, I didn't watch the game, but um, from, from listening to it. Um, and there was, there was plenty of other, other pressure. So um, I think for me, the jury's out on that. Um, uh, and obviously that will depend on who comes in, what his preferences are, what he sees with the players. I agree with what you say about Quebec and, you know, an accident perhaps waiting to happen. But um, I'm not I'm not necessarily convinced that um, that that win was a, a directly a result of changing that. Um, it's it, you know, it's difficult to say. But it, as, I, as I said, that that result could have easily gone the other way. And then would we have been talking about it differently? So looking at it, Stuart Webber made the right call. He's, he's, he's picked some fights this season, which he shouldn't have done. Talk sport, uh, slagging off Norwich effectively week in, week out. They get paid to do that. They're trying to get people. They're trying to get reactions. They're trying to get people to phone up. There's no point in him 
picking a fight with with Talksport and saying that Norwich, you know, that they shouldn't be critical of Norwich. We're in the Premier League. You can be as critical as you want. That's the beauty of of, of football and the society that we live in. So I think he picked the wrong fight uh, with them. I didn't think he was going to have the gumption to make the decision he did at the weekend. But he obviously knew that he needed to change something. When do you think the realisation came to him? Because apparently it was Saturday morning. I, I think the decision was probably made in his own mind after the Leeds game. I think after the Chelsea game, um, and that was when I think, if I'm right, he came out and um, made his statement and obviously hoped to um, um, bring things around with the club, the supporters. It didn't work. The Leeds was in dis display and result was a big disappointment. I would think the decision was there. He made the decision. Whether then he, that he looked around to see, um, because obviously the big decision, if Farker's not the person to take them forward, who is? Perhaps he started looking to see if uh, there were people available. But I would think in his own mind, he probably made it during, you know, after that lead result. Because um, it's, it's quite clear they made the decision before Saturday's game. I know he was told afterwards, but they obviously made the decision before that. So I think it was it was the leads that was the, um, the the turning point that there was no indication from that that things would improve. And you said earlier that we knew two years ago that we didn't invest in the squad and we didn't have enough to stay up. Yeah. His statement on the club website says we know we have the ability within our playing squad to start picking up points and climbing the league table. That is quite a stark statement. He has said here are the tools. I've given you the tools. Now you need to go away and deliver it. Farker couldn't do that, but the new manager will be will be told in no uncertain circumstances by the look of what Weber said that he should be able to keep these this club up and he has the, the players to do it. Weber obviously believes that, doesn't he? Mm. He obviously believes that uh, the, the, the players there can do this. Um, I th only time will tell. Um, but in trusting Weber... I think it's important to remember that he, it was Weber who brought in Fark. Without Weber, there would have been no Farker. Yeah. Um, and to be fair to him, he had no, you know, Fark had very uh, little experience and yet it worked. Mm -hmm. Secondly, his other decisions, he kept faith with him after that first season, after the relegation season. Both of those were spot on decisions. Yeah. Now, you could argue that this year he could have moved earlier, but we're only looking at a a, a few games um, and it was clear that they were trying different things the two naught naught draws and I think what then changed that was obviously the defeat at Chelsea and, and as, as we've said the Leeds game so you know and, and as you said we all thought that this would go on he's made the decision so I think we've got to trust him now to find the right person so we're going to trust him but sorry we're going to trust him yeah, but that that doesn't um, that doesn't underplay at all what an important appointment it is. Well, that was what I was going to ask because he's now got to again prove himself, and he has, and that could that... easily go wrong, couldn't it? There's as much chance of it going wrong as it is of going right. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and ultimately, this is what he gets paid for: his six-figure yeah. salary or whatever he gets is yes. to make sure that Norwich earn the most money they can earn and that would be being in the Premier League so that's staying in the Premier League so that's appointing the right people I thought it was interesting 
that he got rid of the whole um, management squad. He didn't say, Farker, you go and I will keep some of your, your, your men in, in the background. No, it was a clean sweep. So, yes. again, that, I thought that was, was positive. Some of the names then that are leading the way, according to one of the bookies, there are lots of bookies that you can look at, but according to Bet Victor, it looks like a new name to me today. And, and if you read the reports locally, there'll be an announcement in the next 48 hours, couple of days. Yeah. Uh, but Knut, Knutsen from yeah. Norway. The, the talk locally, John, is that um, they've settled on a short list of two and, and, and we're told that that's accurate. The talks commenced in the last 24 hours. Nothing imminent for the next 24 to 48 hours. Right. Um, and details to be thrashed out around the makeup of the backroom team and the staff. So it looked as I said, locally, that is the view that it's down to two, a short list of two. So is that Knutson and Lampard? Uh, all, all, all I understand is that both candidates are said to be modern, forward-thinking coaches. So does that rule out Mark Robbins? Because I thought that was an interesting name in the list of shortlisted that I mentioned from, from Bet Victor. You had Knutson, Roy Hodgson, oh, because me, no one wants that. Uh, Frank Lampard, Mark Robbins, Russell Martin, too early for him. Steve yeah. Bruce, I wouldn't have a problem with Steve Too Bruce. late for him. <laughs> I think it's too late for him. Lucien Favre, uh, the former Borussia Dortmund. So could it be Knutson, Lampard or Robbins? I, I, I'm not sure Robbins, I, th I think Robbins has been, is well thought of, as, as, as he should be, because he, he, he's, uh, he's been a coach for a, a long while and he's done wonders with Coventry. Um, but I'd be surprised if it was Robbins. And a former Norwich player, we've been there before. We have. Neil Adams. Brian Gunn. <laughs> yeah, quite. Gary Megson even. Yeah, we, we probably don't want to go there. Uh, I think, it, and but equally, John, you know, with a an overseas appointment. I mean, it was one thing bringing in 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 Farker last time, and to a certain extent, you know, that was the close season. He had a bit of time to prepare, and even then, it took him a season. This has got to work straight away, and with an overseas appointment, you know, someone's got to get used to new surroundings. Well, that was a BBC breaking news alert. That isn't the new Norwich manager just come in, has it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry <It> about that. <laughs> okay, so Knutsen, he's a Norwegian yeah. manager. He won Norway's top division. Now, I'm not sure that's quite top European league. Um, the um, uh, Apologies for my uh, pronunciation here. Football Kluben Boda Glimt, uh, who won the title last season. They suffered one defeat and they scored 103 goals. So, again, there is potential there. But as you say, can he come in and hit the ground running? Yeah. I have, a, I have a feeling that there might be another Norwegian manager in the Premier League at the moment who has struggled previously at a Premier League club and, and struggled very badly in uh, Old Trafford at the moment in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So oh, right. Yes, of course. May, yes. Maybe Norway is not quite where we want to go uh, at the <laughs> moment. I don't know. So I think if you're talking about the, 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 the talk in, in the local media is, well, it's all about the backroom staff. Is it then Frank Lampard? He wants someone that he wants, obviously, a team to come in with him. Is that too expensive? Is there negotiations on that? That's what I would maybe be thinking about. He is obviously a huge Chelsea legend. He did OK at Derby. He did actually probably better at Chelsea than most people imagined. And then when they had to spend millions and bought the likes of Timo Werner, they couldn't make it work. 
I my only fear with bringing in a big name manager with Norwich dad is the past. And we, we've, we've hinted and laughed a little bit about a, a couple of former players. But we've always been successful, I think, in our lifetime, we've always been successful when we've brought in a manager who has something to prove. Whether that was Ken Brown, Mike Walker, uh, Farker, Neil, Alex Neil, uh, Paul Lambert, whether these people had something to prove as a manager, it never really worked with with some of the bigger names, some of the bigger names as well. Uh, Rhoda, Hamilton, your favourite. Uh, my my particular favourite, I think the worst Norwich manager of all time, Chris Hughes. I, for for me, those are, are big names, and it never worked. And my fear with Lampard, if it's to be him, and I will support him as much as I can, obviously, but that would be my fear. I think that's right. I mean, the only thing with a lot of those, though, they had a bit of time, didn't they? Yes. I, I mean, the worst the worst thing that could happen now is that we bring in a manager, and it completely fails. We get relegated, and we have to sack him. And you get a big pay, you know, another big payoff. I think the payoff for Farker is I've got no problems with that. I'm pleased he had his new contract. I think that's a, a reward for the wonderful years that he gave us. But what I don't, what, what I wouldn't want to happen, um, and I, I, I know, that, you know, football's never a certainty, but what you don't want to happen is bring someone in and then in next April we're paying them off because it hasn't worked and we don't think they'll do anything in the championship. Because you told me at the weekend, Huddersfield are the prime example of that. Yes, yes. I mean, they they went they went across to Germany to, to bring in another German manager, didn't they? Who completely struggled, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. In, in fact, in, so so they were hugely successful under David Wagner. Yes, um, who's obviously gone on and, and done well at, at Schalke, I think, in, in in the European leagues at the moment. Um, but yeah, I can't remember they even. I, can't, I don't know who the other German was that they. I can't him. remember his name. No. But he wasn't in for very long, and within six months they were they were down and out, and then they were and then they're struggling at the bottom. Of the and they haven't recovered. And they haven't recovered from that, have they? No. And, and we're in a very dangerous position at the moment with that because you go down in in the wrong circumstances, and it's quite difficult to pull it around. And you've seen other other teams drop through that division as well. Um, Someone we didn't mention, Dean Smith, obviously sacked by Aston Villa. A lot of people will be raising question marks and, and eyebrows about that. Five straight defeats. They've lost their hundred million pound player, who virtually ran their team the, yes. for, for the past eighteen months that they've been successful. But I mean, he he did it at Brentford. He did it at Villa. He did. But don't you think it's a bit of a quick? That would be a quick turnaround. Um, you tend to think someone in that position, he'll get a payoff. Um, he's got something to prove. He's got something to prove, but will it all be too quick? Would he, would he think, I'm, I'm going to mis give myself a bit of time, do a bit of punditry, and then come back? Think Good carefully idea. about what I want to do. Like Eddie Howe. How long does it take to sign a contract, Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think he was all right going to Brighton, but I'm not sure he wants to go any further north than that. Uh, this is the new old Norwich podcast. We're more steady on uh, than Splendid Rush. And we are saying goodbye to Daniel Farker, a great Norwich City manager, according to many pundits out there. Two championship titles, uh, a couple of stinkers as well. Let's be brutally honest. Um, I think that some of the tributes have been absolutely glowing um, on social media and from, from local people. 
Um, everyone remembers, of course, Farker and the Horse, uh, the murals that are up uh, on, on pubs in Norwich as well. I, I struggle slightly to go quite as waxing lyrical as Farker. Where are you? Where's your head at with, with Farker and Norwich? I think he had three great achievements, really. Um, the, the, one was the ability to bring in young and develop young players. Yeah. Brave enough um, and the ability to do so. Secondly, the two promotions. And thirdly, certainly at championship level, that uh, the quality of the football. I mean, that some of those games that we watched and, and, and there have been some clips on the, over the weekend of the football that we we played it certainly is some of the best football we've ever seen at Carrow Road but I go back so, to but I go back to but we didn't beat the big teams there wasn't a Leeds moment where Chris Martin rose up and powered a header into the back of the corner of the net and the Leeds fans in the south stand were silent as the rest of Carrow Road uh, celebrated when Paul Lambert's team usurped Leeds at the top of that uh, League One table. There was never those moments, even in the championship winning seasons for Farker. But you say never. That win in 2018-19 against Leeds away. And Leeds were firm favourites at that stage. And we went, we went there and took them apart. Mm. So there were there were the exceptions, and um, even last season against Brentford at home, that was a, it was um, you know a good one nil win I think at Carrow Road. So there were the exceptions, but I'm, I'm thinking you know you think of the excitement that we had in 2018 and 19. Some of those games, do you remember the one against Millwall? Yes. Losing as we ended 90 minutes, I um, I had to leave the the ground because I was going to a party that night. Yeah. And you you were messaging me, and I was following the cheers as I walked up for, up uh, Thorpe Road as we won four three. Yeah, I mean, Nottingham Forest at your at your house on Boxing Day three nil down, you know three one down as we went at extra time, and I think did we score at about the ninety seventh minute or something? Hernandez getting to eighth minute of injury time, he scored the equaliser. Um, so the excitement. Maybe I'm put off by the Premier League. Debacles. I think I think you probably are because um, and, and 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 I do agree and 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 that time in the in in the Premier League has been disappointing. I mean, it's it, it there are worse performance in the it, performances in the top tier. I think, but but we did we did have some um, some um, some great times. I think I think possibly I, Norwich City have been promoted nine times to the top tier all in my lifetime. I think you've seen seven. I think probably we ought to do a podcast on Norwich City's promotions. Yes. Which I yeah. think would then bring these out because, um, and again, that 2018, that last, um, that, that time in April, do you remember the Reading game? We, after being 1-0 up, we went 2-1 down. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry, we've been 1-0 down, down a long time. We scored two goals in the last five minutes. Zimmerman's bullet header. And then they scored late into injury time. Yes. Yeah. And and we thought it you know, we thought we thought we were up and then it was down. And then the, the Sheffield Wednesday game again again only a draw. What was that about eight minutes into injury time again? Frankich's uh, free kick up our end. Yes. Blackburn then when we you know, we convinced uh, you know it did give us some great times. And I and I I'll, I'll always be grateful for him for that because um, you know it, 
even at championship level, you don't see that very often, do you? No, I think you're, I, I, you might have persuaded me because I've seen, <laughs> I've seen a lot of people sort of talking about Farker ball, about the way that we played football. And, and as I've said, I've given you championship examples where we haven't beaten the top six. We obviously beat Man City and Newcastle early in that, that yes. original Premier League season and, and played them off the park uh, yeah. with Farker ball. But then, of course, everyone worked out how we played. Yes, and, and, we, and we never and we never changed our way yeah. again. And I suppose that's the frustrating thing for me. So, but I suppose to be fair to him, um, from someone who came in, as I said, with little experience, gave us those wonderful moments. And uh, okay, he's not perfect. He's got, you know, and who is? That's right. <laughs> However, what I think is a very good. Idea. I mean, Paul Lambert went to Ipswich, John. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. We all, have, we all have desperate needs and bills to pay. Um, what I think is a very good idea is that we won't have time in this podcast to do it, but we will do it in the next one, is your top five Norwich managers, which will incorporate your nine promotions, seven of which I've seen. And I think we should think, where is Farker in your top five Norwich City managers? Is he in your top five or is he even... Uh, slightly further down than that. So let's think about that for the next episode. Yep. Uh, to wrap up then, um, Matthias Norman, I was going to talk to you about how we should build a team around Billy Gilmore. And I, I'm, I'm still convinced that he should be playing more than he's playing at the moment. Um, um, again, maybe we can talk about this more, more about him in the next podcast. But Matthias Norman in the last two games looked promising. I don't want to go overboard, but he looked promising Yes. He's a person that could be the linchpin, a bit like what we were saying earlier, when Farker suddenly gets something and gets something right, like he did with Skip and McLean at the end of last season, and those two just carried on for the rest of the season. Matthias Norman seems like he could be the one that we build the team around. I think you're right. I think the game on Saturday at Brentford, the one spark of where... It looked like fart ball was Norman's ball through to Pookie when we got the penalty. Right. That was like a Buendia ball. Yeah. I think the issue might be with Norman is that we were all expecting a defensive midfield cover <laughs> to replace Skip. Yeah. When he's, he's more than that. The, the, the one player that I've been surprised has not ever been given a chance is Sorensen in defensive midfield. Yeah. I mean he came in last season at left back when we were when we were desperate and he let nobody down. Mm. And yet for some reason uh, we gave him a new contract in the summer, but for some reason we've never played him. Now whether you know whether whether Farker didn't feel he could but he's never been given a chance in in defensive midfield. Um no, but I but I agree with you. I think somehow we need to build a team which does include Gilmore and obviously includes Norman. And I think that's what Webb is thinking about when he's talking about the quality. Well, let's talk about that in the next episode of the Old New Norwich. Uh, this has been the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush. And we will be discussing who will be the new manager. Hopefully we'll know by the time the next episode too. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.